so important. Uh, let me ask you a couple questions to get us in. And again, the uh, outline is in your bulletin. How do you prepare for company? If you know somebody special coming over, what do you do? Well, uh, we've been to several graduation parties recently, and uh, congratulations to all of uh, those that have graduated, and I enjoy going to them. And, uh, uh, but what happens when you go to the party? Well, it's, you just don't show up at the home, and uh, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, come on in. Uh, I guess we were expecting you. And uh, find, I guess if you want something, go in the refrigerator. Is that how you prepare for company? It's not, right? I mean, they put out the spread. Uh, yesterday we were at one, and... Uh, a, a beautiful time and, and tons of food and uh, preparations and tables put up and lots of work goes into it. So when you have company that's coming over, someone that you're uh, preparing for, uh, it takes a bit of work. Uh, do you prefer personal honor or humility? Do you prefer to be the one that is put up on uh, uh, basically on display and have People say, oh, that's just a great person, wonderful person. Or do we approach life in humility? How do you think you will respond when you see Jesus? How will you respond when you see Jesus? By the way, every single person here, you're going to see Jesus. Every person here, you will see Jesus. For those who trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you'll see him up in heaven, whether it's by rapture, which we'll talk about in a moment, or by death, you will see Jesus the moment uh, that you breathe your last breath. Second Corinthians 5, 8, absent from the body, present with the Lord, immediate, you'll see Jesus. If, if, and I trust you don't have this particular scenario, but if, You've never received Christ as your personal Savior. You will not see Jesus up in heaven. You'll see him at an event called the Great White Throne Judgment where every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but it's too late at that point. You see, there are no second chances after death. Despite what some denominations teach that, well, you know, if you messed up, you go to a temporary holding place and then you make atonement for it, it it's done. There is no second chance after death. The Bible says it's appointed unto man and or woman once to die, and after that the judgment. It, it's done. So we're going to look at how should we be prepared for the coming of Christ. Proposition is this. We will examine the awesome return of Jesus Christ to the earth. Last week we talked about the marriage supper of the Lamb, and if, if your Bibles go to Revelation chapter 19, we're not going to repeat that message if you missed it. Uh, it's on our various sources through the internet. But we were talking about when God's people will have the marriage supper. So the bride of Christ, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, uh, uh, specifically we're going to talk about the church age saints, which is you. The moment the rapture takes place, and we'll talk about that in a moment if you don't know what that means, we'll immediately go up to be with Christ in heaven. Two specific passages talk about that in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The second that Jesus Christ comes in the air to get us, we're up with him. During that seven-year period, the Bible talks about uh, a judgment seat of Christ. You say, well, what's that? 
1 Corinthians 3 and a few other passages talk about that we must all as Christians appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Well, what happens there? It's not about whether you're going to be allowed into heaven or not. It's about what you've done, good or bad, as a Christian. It talks about the wood, hay, stubble, the bad works that will be burned up in the, in the, uh, the gold and precious stones, the good works that you've done, God will reward you for them. So it's a time of reward. So there's two main times, if you will, in history, or not in history, in the future, the prophetic future, where Jesus is going to be coming back. Revelation 19 is not the rapture of the church. It has nothing to do with God's people going up to heaven. Revelation chapter 19 is dealing when Jesus Christ literally returns to this earth to set up his kingdom. So I put a chart up here which will uh, basically show a couple of the differences between uh, when Jesus returns for us versus when he will return seven years later to come back to set up his kingdom here on earth. So the key passages, and, and again, there's a lot on here, and maybe we'll put it in next week's handout so you have it, uh, but there are very, very distinct differences between what happens when Jesus Christ comes back to get us versus when he comes back with us to set up his kingdom. Uh, let's go to Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. We'll read the passage, pray, and uh, we'll see what we can get through this morning. Revelation chapter uh, 19, starting at verse 11. The apostle John says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he, Jesus Christ, who sat on him, was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, you say, well, who's the armies in heaven? Look in the mirror. If you're, if you're a Christian, you're going to be part of the armies in heaven. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. We're talking about the battle of Armageddon here. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself, speaking of Christ, treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, which is speaking of the Antichrist, the kings of the earth and their armies, gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Again, referring to the battle of Armageddon. Verse 20, Then the beast of the Antichrist was captured, with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast. Going back to uh, uh, Revelation 13, the mark of the beast, either is on uh, the hand or on the forehead. Uh, you're familiar with the term 666 right out of Revelation 13. Verse 20, the beast or the Antichrist was captured with him of the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two, speaking of Antichrist and the false prophet, were cast alive in the lake of fire burning with brimstone and the rest were killed with a sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. Now, Father, I pray that as we uh, examine 
the rapture of the church and the event that will happen seven years later, spoken of here in Revelation 19, the second coming of Christ, that, Lord, that we be excited about the next event on God's prophetic calendar when God's people will literally be taken home for that seven-year period while this earth is being transformed through what will take place here during that seven-year tribulation. Now, Father, I pray that uh, you, uh, as quickly as we'll go through these things this morning, I pray that you'd help us to study this passage, to understand this passage, and, Father, that we might be motivated to tell folks about Jesus Christ and his soon appearing as so many people today have rejected this truth of who Christ is. So, Lord, I pray that uh, uh, if there's any here yet that have not placed their faith and trust in Christ, that they do so this morning. And, Father, for those of us that love you and want to serve you, I pray that you'd motivate us so that we'd tell more folks this week the greatest news ever given to mankind, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And God's people said, Amen. And God said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, should it happen in our generation, shall be caught up together with them. Shall be caught up together with them in the what? In the air, in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, what 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians 15 talk about is the next major event on God's prophetic calendar when God's people will be brought up to heaven. Total different than what we just read in Revelation 19. When Jesus Christ comes at the rapture, it is not a time of judgment. It is a time basically of glory for those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ when they'll be taken immediately up to heaven and given their glorified bodies. When we look at Revelation chapter 19, which we just read, and we contrast them, and you see it up on the screen, just a few differences. There are many different passages in the Scriptures that talk about the rapture. There's many that talk about the second coming. Totally two different events. And it's so important that we get them right because otherwise we misinterpret Scripture. All right, just let's look at the contrast very quickly. So from the the two passages, and there's many more, but we're only looking at two this morning. Uh, from the, the two passages listed, Jesus appears in the air at the next major prophetic event. He does not touch down on the earth. It's in the air. It's in the clouds. What happens when Jesus returns in Revelation 19? He literally returns to where? He returns to the earth, and we'll look at that in a moment. Uh, secondly, uh, uh, he returns. Jesus returns for the church age saints. The dead in Christ shall rise. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him. One generation of God's people will not die. Immediately translated, taken up to heaven. However, when uh, Jesus comes back at his, saint, uh, at his second coming, who does he bring with him? He says he comes back with uh, uh, the armies, the saints, those of us uh, uh, that have been, if you will, given our linen clean and white. The, the white, if you will, represents the righteousness of God, the good works that God's people have done. By the way, are you saved by works? Absolutely not. We're saved by grace. Good works are to come afterwards. Uh, we quoted Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But what's the next verse? Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for 
Good works. So when do good works happen? Not before salvation. You can't do anything good before that. Uh, Romans uh, uh, chapter 3 talks about all our righteousness is, is like filthy rags. It's not good. Uh, but your good works come, if you will, for Christ after you've trusted him. Number three, Jesus comes at the rapture for his church as what? A deliverer. When he comes here and, uh, at a second coming with his saints, what is he coming? Well, look at uh, Revelation 19, verse 16. Most uh, uh, of your Bibles have it bolded, or all capital letters. He's coming back as what? The King of Kings and what? The Lord of Lords. Uh, he's not going to share his throne with anyone. He'll be coming back as the theocratic ruler. He will be what we will call a good dictator uh, uh, when Jesus comes. He comes as a deliverer at the rapture. When he comes uh, at his second coming, he comes as king. Uh, for the rapture, he comes in grace. He's bringing God's people home. What does he come when he returns to the second coming? He comes as the warrior judge. When Jesus takes us, uh, the church age, out of here, he delivers us from wrath. And we could go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 to back that up. Uh, uh, when Jesus comes, what does he come? He comes to the battle of Armageddon. He begins to wipe out all those who have assembled uh, uh, a little bit north of Jerusalem at Megiddo, at the valley of Jehoshaphat, at the valley of Armageddon, all synonymous terms where he will literally wipe out all those who came uh, to fight against him. Believers are given an immortal body. Uh, living believers uh, that enter into the kingdom, if you will, uh, will have mortal bodies. Two totally different concepts. The world, when Jesus returned, is basically left unjudged. Now, there's a caveat there, because the next seven years, there's going to be the outpouring of God's wrath upon this earth uh, through the uh, Revelation 6 through 19. When Jesus returns, there's going to be a he returns in fury. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. He'll come down at the Battle of Armageddon, wipe out all those who have assembled the fight against him, and literally wipe them out. The world will continue in sin after me and you are gone. When the church is removed, who indwells you? Holy Spirit. What happens when all of God's people all of a sudden disappear? Who's the ones rejoicing about Roe versus Wade this morning? The Christians. Who's the ones that are fighting against sin? The Christians. Who are the ones that are telling folks about Jesus Christ? The Christians. When all of a sudden the rapture takes place and we're gone, what's going to happen on this earth? It's going to go, well, you think it's bad now, right? <laughs> you had not seen nothing yet. Sorry for the poor grammar. Now, is God going to have some folks that are going to be anointed to come out here and preach the gospel? Absolutely. Revelation 7 11 and 14, he talks about 144,000 young male Jewish virgin evangelists who will be called uh, 12,000 from every tribe. There's going to be a Jewish revival going on. And uh, 144,000 Jews will be out preaching the gospel. The Bible also talks about two witnesses uh, that will be out preaching the gospel. They can't be destroyed by mankind. So the gospel will go out. In fact, Matthew chapter 24, verse 14 makes it very clear that the entire world will hear the gospel during that seven-year tribulation period. 
Isn't that amazing? We've been trying to do it for 2,000 years. They haven't accomplished it in the seven years. God said every single person on this earth is somehow going to hear the gospel. I wish I knew that plan. I'd, be, I'd take part in it. Uh, but I won't be down here. And if uh, you trusted Christ, neither will you. So the world will continue in sin. The one that restrains evil, the Holy Spirit, who fills, in, uh, who fills believers, we're up in heaven. Now, does the Holy Spirit leave the earth? Absolutely not. He's omnipresent. He'll be doing his work down here as well, but it'll be a totally different scenario. Uh, the rapture is confined to the Christians. In other words, only God's people will be taken up to heaven, that one generation. Down here, uh, uh, believers uh, and the lost will be addressed. It's, it's going to be a horrible time down here. The rapture of the church, according to 1 Corinthians 15, happens in the twinkling of an eye. Boom, in a second, in a moment, uh, we shall be changed. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Most of the time we quote from uh, 1 Thessalonians, but this passage just absolutely brings out what will be happening for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50. The Apostle Paul says, Now this I say, brethren, brethren meaning what? God's people, Christians, ladies, men that have put their faith and trust in Christ, young people that have put their faith and trust. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, and now he's going to tell us about this event again for Christians. I tell you a mystery, something not disclosed in ages past. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be what? Isn't it interesting that the Apostle Paul used the word, we shall all be changed. You see, the Apostle Paul, I think, uh, uh, we're looking for the imminent or immediate return of Christ. Paul was looking for Jesus to, to come back during his lifetime. Of course, that wasn't uh, what would take place. It's been 2,000 years, and it still hasn't happened. But will it happen? You can uh, bet your uh, scriptural Bible on it. Of 1,000 prophecies, 500 have been fulfilled exactly as stated. 500 more will be fulfilled exactly as stated. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be what? Changed. What's going to change? Verse 53, this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has been put, has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in, in victory. <clears throat> I love the word victory. Folks, you got, you got, you got a big victory coming. So I never was on a winning team yet. Well, folks, if you trusted Christ, you got a big victory coming. You got, you got on a winning team this time. You're going to have a victory. What? Death is going to be swallowed up so that we can live for eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's, here's the admonition. We're already out of time. Can't handle that. Here's God's admonition. As much as I hate to do it, we're going to leave the rest of the message till next week, so you've got to come back. Are you a Christian this morning? Do you love Jesus? 
Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. The Apostle Paul says, listen, my what? Beloved. Beloved. <laughs> you say, Pastor, do you love us? If I didn't, I wouldn't be here. I love every single person here. I care about you. I want the best for you. And Paul says to the church at Corinth, by the way, was, was that church at Corinth a nasty church? Did they have problems? Yep. Oh, Yeah. Fortunately, we're not the Church of Corinth. We're the Church at Union Grove Baptist. We got good folks here. You serve God like you did at VBS, like you do at Summer Quest, like you'll do at Awana in a few months, and all the many different ministries that you're involved in here, and all the wonderful things that you do for the Lord. Sometimes. You get a little weary in well-doing. You get tired out. It's like I had a person come up to me a couple weeks ago and said, I'm done. I've had it. I'm done. I said, okay. It's all right. I said, why are you done? I'm tired of people disrespecting me. I, I'm just... I'm, I'm sick of the ministry. I'm sick of doing what I do. I said, okay, it's all right. You know what they had, You know what happened to him? Got a little weary and well-doing. By the way, I'm not talking about Josh. <laughs> <laughs> and they had it. I'm done. I don't know if I'll ever go to church again. I don't know if I'll serve God again. I'm done. Say, well, Pastor, what'd you do? He said, doing what I do with anybody that's not feeling well. You need to rest. You need a couple. You need to take some time. You need to sit down and relax. You need to stop the busy schedule for a few minutes. You need to reflect on who God is. And yeah, sometimes we get weary and well-doing. The Bible says this. All right, take a breather. Take a vacation. It's okay. Get recharged. Spend some time with the Lord alone. Listen to some good godly Christian music that'll swing you back to thinking about who Jesus is. Spend some time in your favorite passage. Meditate on, I'm done! No, you're not. No, no, no. You just need a break. And uh, the Bible says what? He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be immovable. What's the next section? Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not what? It is not in vain in the Lord. That same person. Of course, I'm not going to say who it is. Two weeks later, chomping at the bit. <laughs> Couldn't wait to get back busy again. Why? Because sometimes we get so weary and well-doing, we get tired out. Some of you are tired out this week. You worked like crazy last week. You went to your, you went to your jobs and uh, uh, you, you ate a quick dinner and you showed up here and, and, and poured yourself into the young people. And you're over here, can I say dancing at this church? Hey, they're over there. 
over there doing their slow dance and having at it. They're tired. You get worn out. You say, well, sometimes uh, I do my Sunday school class and I get worn out, or my one, or my uh, summer quest, or the things we do, uh, the so many different ministries here, and you get weary and well-doing, and God says, wait a bit. See that first cow over there? He says, uh, I- I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. And-, and you say, I can't take it another minute. And, and God says, no, just take-, take a breather and start to dwell on who I am. And God says, don't be weary and well-doing. Just take a breather for a moment. Because you know what? Every single one of you who are tired this week and are worn out, God appreciates what you did. Because God uses people to accomplish his will. And God says, don't be weary and well-doing. Because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you for what you do, folks. Thank you for your love for Christ. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't go half-hearted. If you need a little vacation, take it. Nothing wrong with that. I took two days last week, went to a conference. I got my batteries charged up. Sometimes you need to do the same. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you for the fact that you're coming back for us someday. Could be today, maybe tomorrow, maybe a long period from now. That's to your will. Lord, we know and... Due to time, we couldn't get into it much today, but we'll be up there with you for seven years while this world begins to go into chaos. As this world prepares for the coming of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I pray that you'd use every single one of us before that event happens when you take us home to be faithful, to be a good example to our families, to our friends, to our relatives, to our loved ones, to this community to those that we have influence over. Father, would you help us not to be weary in well-doing? Father, would you help us as, as you've instructed us, knowing that our labor, our tough, hard labor that sometimes exhausts us, <laughs> that you love us and that you'll give us the strength because our labor is never in vain in the Lord. If you're here this, this morning, have you gotten a little bit weary and well-doing have you forgotten that uh, the next major event is you seeing jesus face to face are you ready to see him well if i knew jesus was coming back today i know how i'd act i know what i'd do and that's the way he wants us to live every single day are you walking with god Are you forsaking the sin that so easily besets us? Are you reading your Bible? Are you staying in prayer? Are you being faithful to His work? How about let's have a little revival? How about every single one of us right now just say, Okay, God, I'm all in. I have gotten a little tired. I have gotten a little worn out. I need a little rest maybe for a day or so. But I'm all in. I'm not quit. Father, would you bless us? Every single one of us, Lord, we need your help. We need your hand. All of God's people, every single one of us, we're human. We're frail. Father, I'm so thankful that death will be swallowed up in victory. Help us, 